0: Hello again. This is Pastor Ed Collins of North Christian Church. This is part seventy-three of the Lord is our confidence. I hope you're all doing well. I miss you all. Let's open up in prayer, Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you so much for this incredible privilege of studying your Word this way, this unique way of fellowshipping, Father. Things have changed, but nonetheless, uh, with your grace, we haven't missed a beat. What a fantastic grace gift this has been we're so very thankful for it father we're encouraged by it uh, we see your faithfulness and your love in it father um, may we never become familiar with it uh, we pray for those in the congregation as always those are that are ill or are still suffering that uh, this message reach them somehow that they be encouraged by it, uh, comforted by it, um, and that they see uh, your love behind the message itself uh, as they're set free by it, Father. We're so grateful for all the things that you do for every one of us in this congregation. We pray also, Father, for those that are still lost in this world, that really are without hope, uh, that they be humbled and receive saving faith before it's too late. We're most grateful and thankful, of course, for your son's work on the cross to cancel out that debt. Um, What an incredible thing to think about, Father. Um, And we do just continually dwell on it. Um, And we're so blessed by it. So thank you, Father, for that and for the reminders that you give us daily um, regarding the gospel of your Son. Father, we do just ask for your blessings on this message, that it be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Again, this is part 73 of The Lord is Our Confidence. Uh, on Thursday, the Spirit gave us some perspective to chew on right out of the gate and. Yes, it, it really is big picture perspective. Uh, the question really is, is there any way to get tired of reading the shepherd's psalm? Uh, I don't think so. So let's read it again, shall we? Go to Psalm 23, verse 1. This is often dubbed the shepherd's psalm because it speaks of uh, the character of our Lord uh, towards his sheep. Again, Psalm 23, Verse 1. Friendly reminder, certainly big picture to get us situated. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Don't know about you, but I can never get sick of that. It's just so very encouraging. Um, last time we read this passage, we looked at last week's blog. Um, this time we're going to look at this week's blog. It goes to show um, how integrated our messages are—not just from the pulpit, but also via the blogs. Any form of grace, if you if you're paying attention, there's a consistent uh, vein of thought, a consistent thread if you would, uh, in both aspects. Uh, And this is why I often refer to everything that comes from this ministry as a curriculum. Uh, With that said, this week's blog, which was titled The Stress Experiment, uh, here's an excerpt from that. We humans have a primitive fault. We often prefer routine over health. We fear things that alter our lifestyle. Think about what's going on right now in this world with all the shutdowns, we fear it. Why are we even in fear? What are we afraid of? We fear things that alter our lifestyle. We suffer daily as a result. And we stress out because deep down, when faced with the opportunity to change, we somehow find a reason to reject the idea. So we wallow in what really can only be called self-induced misery. So. Think about it. Think about the point on the board uh, and keep David's attitude in Psalm 23 on your heart when you do it. Here's the big question that's going to get us situated here today. Is it possible to fear life or the changes or the things that go on in life? Is it possible to fear life if we truly fear God? Is it possible to fear life if we truly fear God? Give that some thought this weekend, my friends. Um, What the Spirit's trying to draw out of you is simple. If you fear God in a way that He deserves to be feared, not that phony kind, not that religious kind, um, the kind that we just noted in Psalm 23, that kind of fear, that kind of awe, Uh, That kind of respect. If you fear God the way he deserves to be feared, is there any room for ungodly fear? As in, you know, fear of making changes in our lives? Is there any room for that? Let's read the excerpt on the board again. Again, from the blog titled The Stress Experiment. We humans have a primitive fault. We often prefer routine over health. We fear things that alter our lifestyle. We suffer daily as a result. And then we stress out because deep down, when faced with the opportunity to change, we somehow find a reason to reject the idea. And you might look inside of yourself right now and say, am I rejecting what God has placed in my life right now? Am I rejecting the kinds of changes that he's made in my life at this moment in time? Uh, Am I doubting that he has my best interests in mind always? Do I doubt uh, that he has everything under control? Uh, All the things that the Spirit's been bringing out um, in this ministry, uh, deep down, when faced with the opportunity, we somehow find a reason to reject the idea of change. So we wallow in what can only be called self-induced misery. So let me me pose the question again. If you fear God the way he deserves to be feared, is there any room for ungodly fear, as in fear of making changes in our lives? In other words, if we situate ourselves in truth the way, say, David did, in humility, is there anything worthy of fear except God that is, uh, and there's a contrast in view, of course, Is there anything worthy of fear except God? Hmm. I'll use one of the key passages from that same blog, uh, The Stress Experiment, to help us. Go to Philippians 4, verse 4. Philippians 4, verse 4. I'm going to drink a water here. Again, the question on the table is, is there any room for ungodly fear if we fear God? Philippians 4, 4 reads, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And here's going to be our pivot point in this message. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So let me give you the Greek here, merimnao, uh, merim uh, in the Greek. Uh, do not be anxious. And this is an old verb for worry and anxiety. Literally it means to be divided or distracted. Do not be this, divided or distracted, in other words, uh, to be over-anxious distracted this is a command by the way Uh, i think it's a present active imperative uh, which means that you are the active agent you are the decision maker in it Uh, therefore it is a command do not be anxious Uh, and by the way as we know it's a sin to disobey a command Hmm. do you see how this command relates directly to what the spirit just highlighted Again, the question on the table is if you fear God, is there any room for ungodly fear? Is there any room to be anxious? Uh, If you fear God the way He's worthy of being feared, is there any room for ungodly fear? Uh, And that's why we have this command, you see. If there's fear, then you are disobeying a direct command, you are divided. Again, look at the point on the board. Do not be anxious. It's an old verb to worry, uh, for worry and anxiety, literally to be divided, distracted. He's saying, do not do this. Do not be over anxious or distracted. This is a command. It's a sin to disobey a command. Now, here's where we take a little pause because I'm sure some of you are like, well, hey, listen, I just can't turn it off, you know. Right? I can't turn off my anxiety or my fear. And you know what? You're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. You cannot uh, turn off your fear. Um, but I want to present you with something to get this straight in your soul so you don't throw in the towel because that's ridiculousness. God would never do that to you. I sometimes think of fear the way I do taste buds. Am I going to say, oh, here we go? <laughs> I sometimes think of fear the way I do taste buds here. They say, you know, your taste for things changes like every seven years or so, right? I don't know if that's an old wives tale, but I get the point, right? Supposedly, your taste buds change every seven years or so. Well, if you're born disliking Brussels sprouts uh, and your mom commands that you, quote, eat them or, or even like them, you know, you learn to like them, you're going to eat them. If, you're, if your mom commands that you like them and eat them, well, you can't help what you are at that point, right? I mean, you can't help what, you you know, your taste buds have an affinity for, right? I mean, so you choke them down. Anyways, you choke them down and, you know, you do so on, you know, maybe you just have a certain trust in your mom. You say, I trust that they're good. I don't like them, whatever. So, if you're like me, though, who fell into the you know Brussels sprouts a yucky camp when I was a kid, your taste buds have since changed. And now I love them. I love ta- uh, uh, Brussels sprouts and green beans. I didn't like green beans very much either when I was a kid. So I no longer have to try to force myself to eat them or, quote, like them. Well, the same goes with emotions, right? I mean, if something scares us, we really can't help it per se, can we? No. I mean, if it's scary to us, it's scary. I mean, we can, we can lie to ourselves and say, oh, you know, I'm not scared, you know, like fools do, right? I'm I'm not scared, you know, beat the chest and all the bravado garbage. But we know that's a lie. So if we fear things in this world, now listen up, this is where the rubber hits the road. If we fear things in this world and God commands that we don't, Look at the point of the board. If we fear things in this world, and God commands that we don't, we're sort of stuck, aren't we? Not really. Not so fast, my friend. Not so fast. Not really at all. God would never do that to us. He never gives us a command without the grace to be able to fulfill it. So let am give you an analogy before I give you the theology proper. A father plays a trick on his kids And uh, wears a monster mask home from work one day. You know, his young kids, you know, they get all excited when daddy comes home and they jump off the couch. They run in, you know, and his young kids see him walk through the front door and they start screaming in fear, crying even. When the father takes off his mask, the fear subsides just about instantaneously. Well, doesn't the world around us, doesn't the world like to wear a mask? It likes to scare us any way it can It can to keep us in a state of fear. Because when you're in a state of fear, you're controllable. You're captive, right? So the world wears a mask. It likes to scare us any way it can to control us, to keep us in a state of fear. Now, the only difference between the father in this story and the world is that the father eventually willingly takes off his mask to reveal the truth. The world will never do that. You see? The world's never going to take off its mask because it would lose control over you. So what's our escape? The Word of God. The Word of God will tear the mask off the world and reveal the truth for us. So when you read a command like the one on the board, do not be anxious, right? Do not be divided. Do not be distracted. And it's a command, and therefore it's a sin to disobey the command. When you read a command like this in the Holy Bible, you have to step back and ask where deliverance is going to come from. Like the child in the story, for as long as you think the monster is actually real, you will cower in fear. That's the point. For as long as you think the monster is real, you will cower in fear. Um, But, but, here's the solution. Here's the solution. When you obey another, more primitive command to keep taking in the Word of God, the Word will set you free. The truth will set you free. Do you see the connective tissue there? For as long as you think the monster is real, you're going to cower in fear. But there's a solution. If you obey another, more primitive command to keep taking in the Word of God, doing what you're doing right now, frankly, the Word, the truth will set you free. In other words, it's not by your own effort. Listen to all of you who think you're going to try to escape your own anxiety or you're going to, by force of will, escape your fears. It's not going to happen, my friends. And some of you are doing that. I know for a fact, some of you are doing it without taking in the Word of God, at least not regularly. Skipping messages, not reading your Bibles, ignoring the blogs, all the things by grace that God has set up to set you free, you're ignoring them. And then you you, you whine to God about how you have too much anxiety or too much fear. I'm teaching you the truth right now. It's not by your own effort that you even obey This command to not be anxious. I hope you understood what I just said. It's not by your own effort that you even are able to obey this command to not be anxious. It's by the grace of God that you're able to obey it. Up here on the board, obedience is a grace gift. I've taught you this in the past. Our ability to obey the commands in the Bible is given to us by the grace of God. An unbeliever cannot obey uh, the commands in the Bible. They can do things that look a lot like it, but because their motivation in their heart is never good, they're not really obeying. Our ability to obey the commands in the Bible is given to us by the grace of God. For example, the command we just noted, do not be anxious. That's a big one for a lot of people. There are a lot of anxious people out, out there right now, even, even believers, So, for example, do not be anxious is a command that we can obey by grace. We cannot defeat fear by force of will. Drill that into your heads. We cannot defeat fear by force of will. We must depend wholly on the Word and the Spirit for deliverance. Again, our ability to to obey commands in the Bible is given to us by the grace of God. For example, do not be anxious is a command that we can obey by grace. We cannot defeat fear by force of will. We must depend wholly on the word and the spirit for deliverance. So, to pull this all together now, if we can only obey the commands of God by the grace of God, what's the solution? I'm going to take a sip of my drink here while you think about that. If we can Obey. We can only obey the commands of God by the grace of God. What's the solution? The solution is perspective like anything else. And this is what the Spirit's been giving you, right? This perspective comes as a result of studying the Word of God. This perspective comes as a result of studying the Word of God. We might also call this perspective wisdom, right? Right? Um, it comes, though, as the result, uh, as, a, as a, a result of obeying a primitive command that is to study and keep the word of God. That's why it doesn't help if I just stand here and say over and over and over, you know, just take my word for it. There's nothing to fear. I believe that. But do you? I mean, isn't that the point? You know, I can't just sit here and and just try to, you know. Personally, drill it into your head, like try to impart my convictions into your soul. It doesn't work. So you can't just take my word for it that there's nothing to fear. Like the scared little kids in our story, if the dad never takes off his mask, the, the kids won't ever settle down. Even if their mother is standing right next to the monster and saying, hey, kids, don't be afraid. It's just daddy. The kids have to see For themselves. You got that? The kids have to see for themselves that the monster isn't real. The same goes for us in the spiritual life. You, my dear friends, have to see for yourselves that the so called monsters, quote unquote, in this world, they're not real. You have to see for yourselves that the so-called monsters in this world aren't real. The only way the mask comes off is by the grace of God, as he imparts wisdom to your own souls through his word. The only way the mask comes off, the only way the fear dissipates in you, is by the grace of God, as he imparts wisdom or perspective uh, to your own soul through his word. Here's another great example. Uh, Go to Psalm 91, verse 1. Psalm 91, verse 1. Take another sip. Again, the point is the only way the mask comes off is by the grace of God, as he imparts wisdom and perspective to your own souls through his word. Psalm 91, verse 1. I'm just going to read this through. It's just another beautiful, big-picture perspective to to keep things in their rightful place uh, so that we can be set free by the truth of it. Verse 1, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. How's that for perspective, Old Testament, huh? Imagine if you had that in your soul like cement, and were able to deflect any fiery darts meant to unnerve you or make you cower like a little child. Furthermore, the difference between the earthly father in our story and our father in heaven is that the latter will never put a fake mask on to scare us. If we're going to be scared, let's, let's get a little more perspective here. If we're going to be scared of our father in heaven, it's because he's worthy of being feared since there's nothing fake about his power to destroy us at will. even That's different than the world, though. Even so, even though he has that kind of power, even though he's worthy of being feared in the, in the most extreme case, our Father in heaven is tender and kind and loving. In fact, he wants us to know these things about him, which is why he sent his Son, so that through his sacrifice... We can know the Father. Go to Romans 8:13. Romans 8, verse 13. That's why our God, he, we are to fear him, uh, but we're not to be afraid of him like the monsters in this world, right? He's not um, hell-bent on scaring us. He's our dad, right? He's our father. Uh, get out of line. He will discipline you because, as the Bible says, that's what a loving father does. Uh, And you should fear that discipline. But that's not the point. That's not his lead into his children. Romans 8.13. So you have to apply that to your own life right now. Um, Do you believe that about your Father in heaven? Romans 8.13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. In other words, right? That's the perspective we want to have. That's that big picture perspective uh, that keeps things uh, in their right order, so that uh, we're not supposed, we, we shouldn't uh, fear. We 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 should be able to obey the command: uh, Do not be anxious. Do not fear uh, the things of this world. But as this verse, as this passage states, if we live in fear, we're, we are slaves. That is not God's will for His own children. You imagine that? Hey, I'm going to adopt you. I'm going to, I'm going to send my son. He's going to die for your sins. I'm going to adopt you into my family. And I'm going to turn you into a bunch of slaves. Not going to happen. It's not even. It's not His character. It's not His uh, design. It's not what He wants for His own children. So if we live in fear, we are slaves, and that is God. That is not God's will for his own children. That's precisely, though, why the kingdom of darkness peddles fear the way it does. Because fear uh, is a, is what ma- turns us into slaves, right? If we live in fear, we're slaves. And that's why the kingdom of darkness peddles it. It wears... The, the world, the kingdom of darkness wears every possible mask <laughs> it can to convince us that there's just so much to be afraid of, right? I mean it's why you turn on the television it's just you just get pelted with you should be afraid of this you should definitely be afraid of this you should be afraid of, and stupid stuff too you should be afraid of your hair falling out you should be afraid the fact that i don't know you're getting heavy or you i don't know what the problem you know what the deal is right uh, we're supposed to be basically afraid of everything uh, don't eat eggs you'll get high cholesterol and die of a stroke tomorrow uh, don't do this. You'll you know you'll get cancer. Don't do it's it's just fear and fear and fear. It's all about control. So the world, the kingdom of darkness, wears every possible mask it can to convince us that there's just so much to be afraid of. Why? In order to distract us, to divide us, as we saw earlier, uh, to turn us dipsuchos, right? Double-minded. Isn't that what happens when we get? divided in our minds we know we're supposed to be in this certain state but we get divided we get distracted and all of a sudden before we know it we too are double-minded right and that person ought not to expect anything from the Lord so says holy scripture um, certainly not deliverance from fear so that's the point and that's why the kingdom of darkness does it uh, but the holy God of the Bible says there is nothing to fear except him. Do not be divided over this, he says. Isn't that, again, what we noted earlier with that Greek word, merimnao? Do not be anxious. Uh, literally, do not be divided. Do not be distracted. Isn't that what we learned? Yeah. God's command, then, is to not be divided. Do not be divided. Don't allow yourself to be dipsukos, right? The, to the degree that you're divided, to that same degree, you will live in fear to the degree that you are divided to the degree that you in other words are incapable of following this command on the board to that same degree you will live in fear keep repeating that to yourself again don't throw in the towel if you want deliverance from this thing from anxiety from fear then obey in my mess in my notes right now I'm looking at the word obey and it's in all caps and bold font obey the word of God. That's where your deliverance comes from. You will not do it by will of your own. And do not listen to anybody else in, in your life. I don't even care if it's your spouse that's telling you, oh, just don't be afraid. Just put it out of your mind. Stop being afraid. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. The only thing that can deliver you, as per Jesus, is the truth. Living a lie, pretending it's not true, that is not living the truth. Therefore, there's no freedom in it. You see, you have to obey the word of God, which minimally has this to say about itself. Go to Proverbs 4, verse 7. Proverbs 4, verse 7. So, God's command is, do not be divided. The primitive is, obey the word of God. Hmm. Otherwise, you will live in fear. Proverbs 4, verse 7. What does it say? It's an old friend of ours, right? We've looked at this so many times now. The beginning of wisdom, you want wisdom that sets you free. You want truth that sets you free. You want that perspective that gives you that sort of straight line, uh, uh, what's the solid form of living that sort of, you know, just sort of, you know, straight line, calm, uh, unflappable kind of, of wisdom. Uh, Get wisdom (laughs) and whatever you get, get insight. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Seek the truth. Seek perspective. That's Proverbs 4, 7. How about Proverbs 9, verse 10, right around the corner? Proverbs 9, verse 10. Okay? Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Does it say the fear of the kingdom of darkness? The fear of the masks? that are peddled in this world? No. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fearing masks and, and, and fearing, or fearing uh, false monsters, that's folly, you see. That's not wisdom, that's folly. Fear of the Lord, though, is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Let me give you an alternative translation for each of those, uh, just because they sort of bring things out, they amplify uh, to yeah, pun intended. Proverbs four seven the Amplified: uh, The beginning of wisdom is get skillful and godly wisdom. It is preeminent. Preeminent. Preeminent means surpassing all others. That's what preeminent means. The beginning of wisdom is this: get skillful and godly wisdom. It is preeminent. And with all you're acquiring, get understanding. Actively seek. Spiritual discernment, mature comprehension, and logical interpretation. That's why a a mature person in Christ, they're unflappable. Uh, You know, bombs can be going off and they say, well, if I die today, I get to go be home with the Lord, right? Uh, That's what it means uh, to have that sort of um, discernment or mature comprehension about, you know, life itself and the things that God throws at us and the things that God ordains in our lives that the world is saying, you need to be so scared right now. No, you don't. No, you don't. Get wisdom. That's the beginning of wisdom. That's the preeminent command, right? Proverbs nine ten up here on the board as well. In the Amplified, this or oh, the reverent fear of the Lord—that is, worshiping Him and regarding Him as truly awesome—is the beginning and the preeminent part of wisdom. You see, it's the preeminent part of wisdom. It's starting point and its essence. In other words, you can't get wisdom unless you fear God. You see how primitive this is. You see how um, what the contrast is between fearing, why there's a command in the Bible that says do not be anxious, don't be fearing the things of the world? It's because the preeminent part of wisdom is just the opposite. It's to fear the Lord, you see? And that's the battle. Uh, the, The kingdom of darkness has engaged with you to try to get you divided, to try to get you distracted from this simple preeminent truth. Again, the reverent fear of the Lord is... That is, the Lord, that is worshiping Him and, and regarding Him as truly awesome, is the beginning and the preeminent part of wisdom, its starting point and its essence. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding and spiritual insight. Again, God's command is to not be divided. To the degree you're divided, to that same degree, you will live in fear. If you want deliverance from that fear, Then obey the Word of God. Obey the Word of God. What does that imply? That you actually have the Word of God. That you actually read your Bible. That you actually take in this grace gift, let's say, from this pulpit, from this ministry. You read the blogs. That You stay up to date. All that good stuff. When you obey his command to learn the Word as the preeminent feature of the spiritual life. We just saw that in Proverbs beginning wisdom is to acquire it, right, as the preeminent feature of the spiritual life, then you begin to understand the following, that obedience is a grace gift. Again, our ability to obey the commands in the Bible is given to us by the grace of God. For example, do not be anxious is a command that we can obey by grace. We cannot defeat fear by force of will. We must depend wholly on the word and the spirit for deliverance my friends this one principle stop for a moment please this one principle on the board obedience is a grace gift this one principle on the board is among the most powerful i can possibly ever teach you <laughs> honestly it's it's one of the most powerful i can possibly ever teach of you teach you Listen, some of you live in fear of so many things because of one simple, undeniable reason. You ready? You don't know the Word of God. Some of you live in fear of so many things because of one simple, undeniable reason. You don't know the Word of God. And if you don't know the Word because you've broken the preeminent command to actually learn it... (laughs) Again, if you don't know the word because you've broken the preeminent command, the command of commands to learn it, right? The beginning of wisdom is to acquire it. If you've broken that preeminent command to actually learn it, then you suffer at the hands of your own arrogance. You suffer at the hands of your own arrogance. You cannot, and you know what? If I could, I'd, I would literally prohibit you from doing so, <laughs> but I can't. You cannot be lazy and say, I'll just take, you know, someone else's word for it. I'll just be lazy. I, you know, I'm not going to, you know, that ball guy's crazy. He's a, he's a fanatic, right? He, you know, he's telling me to read my Bible daily. He's telling me to listen to his message. He's telling me to read these blogs, blah, 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 right? I got other stuff to do. You know, I got, really? Really? I'm just going to take his word for it. No, you won't. I don't want you to take my word for it. I really don't. Anybody that says that to you, run away from them. Don't be lazy and say, I'll just take someone else's word for it. Even if you really respect them, like you do with, say, me or some other pastor that's doing uh, godly things or or has a godly ministry. I hope you see what the Spirit's saying here. Um, If not, let's read a little more scripture to help with your own wisdom your own convictions, your own confidence in the Lord. Go to Matthew 10, verse 28. Matthew 10, verse 28. It's not difficult, my friends. Uh, You're never going to get out of fear by force of will. Only the Word can do it. So if you're stuck in dysfunction junction and you're calling up your friends in tears uh, because you're anxious about this or scared of that, I'm going to go out limb and say, You haven't been taken in the Word of God. Matthew 10, 28. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Listen, that's wisdom proper. What if you never pick up your Bible, you never read it? (laughs) What if you never? I'm reading that out of context. I mean, I invite you, I encourage you to go back and read all of Matthew 10, all of Matthew for that matter, right? Uh, to get the full context. But what if you never read this verse? Like, ever. Because you don't read your Bible. Because you're lazy. And you just want somebody to tell you, should I be afraid or no? Oh, I shouldn't be afraid. Okay, I'm not afraid. I'm just going to live this lie. And when the pressure hits, guess what? You're afraid. You're cowering in the corner like a little whatever. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. How about Hebrews 13, verse 6. Hebrews 13, verse 6. Again, you need to get your own wisdom, your own convictions, your own confidence in the Lord. I mean, the, the, the series is titled The Lord is Our Confidence. Who can say that? The humble. Hebrews thirteen, six. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Seriously, what can man do? To you. How about First Peter 3 8? Go there. 1 Peter 3 verse 8. Again, I'm giving you these passages because I want you to have your own convictions. Right? I don't want you to turn to me and say, Oh, I believe what Pastor Ed says. I'm just going to adopt his convictions. Uh no, that is that is the one of the quickest ways to folly, to to uh to fear again, to usher you right back into a state of fear. First Peter 3:8. Finally, all of you. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Good question. Who's going to harm you if you're zealous for what's good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, not in me or anyone else, in you. You have to have your own wisdom. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that Uh, should be God's will than for doing evil again that's why we do what we do it's God's will that counts and that's such a wonderful perspective it really is and it's really just so much to take in by grace and so think of it this way everything you take into your soul from the word of God has real value Everything you take into your soul from the Word of God has real value. Now compare that to what you choose to do daily with your time and energy. You know, taking in things that have zero value to you. Everything you take into your soul from the Word of God has real value. We're talking about being set free here, right? We're talking about having the Lord become our confidence. We're talking about uh, being set free from anxiety and fear. Um, There's a lot of that going around these days, right? Well, the nuts and bolts of it is that everything you take into your soul from the Word, that has real value to do those things, to deliver you. Compare that to how you spend your days. How many things do you take in that have zero value to you? Here's some encouragement. And keep your eye on the primitive centrality of taking in the Word of God. That is the Word of Christ. Keep your eye on that. Go to Colossians 3:14. Colossians 3 verse 14. Think about uh, I don't know your attitude, your life uh, these days, uh, whatever fears you might be struggling with or anxiety you might be struggling with. Uh, and then just keep that in mind and then keep in mind what Paul's writing about here in Colossians 3:14. Above all these things, Uh, All these, excuse me, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Here it is, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, before we close up, uh, I I want to give you the great truth in your life again, in our lives, in this universe. I want to set in stone the very thing that the entire canon of Holy Scripture has set out to convey to us the gospel, up here on the board. Jesus Christ, who is God incarnate, humbled himself to die on our behalf. Thus, he, because the sin, he became the sinless sacrifice to pay the penalty of our guilt. He rose from the dead to declare with power that he is Lord over all, and he offers eternal life freely to sinners, Who will surrender to him in humble, repentant faith. That's the great central theme, my friends, in the Bible. That's the beauty of reading your Bible. What you find out as you mature, as you do grow up in the faith, as we say, uh, you realize that (laughs) the entire Bible uh, pivots on this one truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That the entire thing is really to reveal this salvific plan of God. We live in an interesting time, my friends. Um, There's really no doubt about it. But to quote Jesus, the truth shall make us free. The truth shall make us free. The encouragement in this message really has been to seek the truth. Seek the truth, my friends. That is my resounding encouragement to you all. Seek the truth. Be washed clean by it. The way we learned about last time, up here on the board, in James 1.27, we saw this last time. Keep oneself unstained from the world. And we did all the work. We're not going to look at any of these passages this time around. I invite you to do it again on your own. But we looked at all of them to to amplify this thought. Keep oneself unstained from the world. This essentially means to be clean from the filth of it. John 13, 5-8, Ephesians 5, 26. To have a clean conscience, Hebrews 10.22. And to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, Colossians 1.9-12. How do we follow the command at the outset of this message that read, Do not be anxious about anything. For example, in Philippians 4.6, how do we do that thing? How do we do it? Uh, you know, some of you probably nodded your head when I said, you know, some of you probably saying, I don't know. You know, I don't know how to do that. I can't help being anxious. I can't help being fearful. So I'm just going to throw in the towel. No, we, we just learned it. Here's the drum roll. You ready? Luke 11, 9 to 10. And he amplified. So I say to you, this is Jesus talking. Let him allow him. Let his spirit to speak to you directly right now. So I say to you, ask and keep on asking. And it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who keeps on asking persistently, receives. And he who keeps on seeking persistently finds. And to him who keeps on knocking persistently, the door will be opened. Those are, those are not my words, my friends. Those are the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What are we seeking that sets us free? Well, according to our Lord and Savior, truth. Up here on the board, Hebrews 12, 2 in the Amplified. Looking away from all that will distract us. There's that word again, right? Things that are meant to distract us, to divide us. That's the sin. Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith. The first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity. Who, for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him, endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. Who, pray tell, seeks this truth, this Christ of ours, the humble person? Up here in the board, James 4, 6 and the Amplified. But he gives us more and more grace through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin, right? What what did we what at the outset of this message? What was the sin? Do not be anxious. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to defy that thing. What does the Holy Spirit use as the lever? The word of God. But he gives us more and more grace through the power, remember, obedience is a grace gift through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin and live an obedient life. That reflects both our faith and our gratitude for our salvation. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud and haughty, but continually gives the gift of grace to the humble who turn away from self-righteousness. So, if you say, in this moment, but I lack The necessary humility, Pastor. I get it. Humility is the key to the spiritual life. For some apparent reason, I just don't have it. I lack it. I'm arrogant. You know what I say to you? Ask God for it. Ask God for it. If you lack something, ask God for it. Go to him directly in prayer and say, I don't know, something like this. Dear God, I beg you to give me humility. (laughs) Seriously, go to God with a good heart, with a pure heart and say, God, I don't know. I I obviously cannot solve this problem on my own. Uh, I want humility. I want to be set free. I want to obey um, because I want to be pleasing to you. I beg you. To give me humility, up here on the board, just so you don't, know, just so you know that it's not that's not my opinion on the matter. This is theology proper. James one five. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. You have a question for him? Ask him. You you want something that only comes by the grace of God? Maybe he's waiting you for you to persistently seek. And persistently knock. Do you understand? That may be the, what he's what he's waiting for with you. I don't know. That's between you and him. But if you lack anything, ask him. I'll end where we ended uh, last time. Go to 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3. And we're going to end. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3. So that's my advice. It's biblical. Uh, if you lack something, um, and you know you need humility, something like humility uh, to kick everything off, then ask him. Ask him. Um, 2 Thessalonians three three. But the Lord is faithful. If you ask him, what you see on the board is is is, is true. He's he's not a liar. He's not going to say, Hey, come ask me, uh, and I'm going to ignore you. Remember, he's our Father in heaven. Uh, and he wants to bless us out but the lord is faithful he will establish you and guard you against the evil one and we have confidence in the lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command may the lord direct your hearts to the love of god and to the steadfastness of christ amen all right let's bow our heads Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this incredible privilege of studying your word this way. Thank you for truth that sets us free, Father. Thank you for revealing uh, some of the nuances as well in the Bible, Father. And thank you for reminding us of the the preeminence of just reading our Bibles and seeking the truth that sets us free. Going back to the basics, Father, thank you for always reminding us, us of this thing. Uh, It's so easy to be distracted and divided and to become a dipsuchos, Father. And we don't want that. We want to be pleasing to you, of course, and bring glory to you, Father. We're weak, and we appreciate your patience, your grace, your mercy, and your love. And we ask uh, for your blessings as we take these things back to the privacy of our souls, uh, to our homes, and then your will be done out to a world that's just decaying, Father. We just ask all this. In Jesus Christ's precious name, by the power of the Spirit we do pray. Amen.